0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, the world of sports right now, the news is um, previous games. Are you watching some of these replays? I've been watching the classic March Madness games that they've been putting on TV. and
1: Well, as you know, yesterday was opening day. No. It was supposed really? to be opening day, which is to me, the happiest day of the year. I was going to call day. you, but I gave you space. Yeah. And so, so yesterday I watched Roy Halladay's perfect game that was on TV. You watched it with your son too, didn't you? No, I didn't watch you know, that one. The, the other day we watched Randy Johnson's 20 strikeout game with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Do you, does it make
0: you miss it more or does it f- scratch the itch for you a little bit? Both.
1: Both. Uh, I mean, it, Look, it's the si- baseball is about the sights, the sounds, the smells of a stadium, right? And and so you're missing all that, and the and the excitement of this is our year. It, no matter how bad your team is, there are people in every city. Hey, the Phillies a team, are
0: still undefeated. Yeah, oh God! Really? That's where you're going? <laughs> well, I'll bring Keith on to let him talk about that. All right. Keith Pompey, how you doing, man?
2: Hey, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing?
0: Um, we're doing good. I'm just hanging out with Jeff, chilling. Not not too much going on in the sports world. You know,
2: quiet week yeah, so what you talking about. Wait, isn't
1: there a game tonight?
0: <laughs> we're, we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, late. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about. Don't worry, there's no traffic. Jeff watching classic baseball, and whether that scratches the itch for him or it just makes him want it more. What are you doing to uh, fill the time? Because I know you've had some time where, you, where you've had to hang out by yourself a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was crazy because, you know, I kept turning on. I kept turning on like ESPN and I'm looking at uh these games and I keep realizing like, man, they keep showing the same games over <laughs> and over again. Yeah, apparently
1: they and don't I, have a great archive. Yeah, I was like,
2: Come on now, come on. So I you know, I was doing that, you know, doing I was I was a little disappointed because I didn't like have any of my books with me. Um and so I was like, Dang, this would be a great time to read. So, you know, really, I was just online, you know, reading stuff, you know, trying to keep up with the current events, but that was always getting confusing and getting depressing. So, you know, I would basically just read online and, and, and sleep. All right. <laughs> it was boring.
1: Well, if, if if you could pick any playoff series to watch right
2: now, what would it be?
1: Anything. Any?
2: Any? any yeah. You're talking about regardless of sports?
1: No, I'm talking about basketball. If oh, you, if, you, if you could pick a, a and, series, just that, that you could, you could hope that like the a N, NBA, yeah, that NBA TV is going to put on television. What would you go back and watch? Ooh. You
2: know, it, it, there's two of them. I, you know, for as a Philadelphian, I guess I would like to watch when the Sixers beat the Lakers, yeah. in '83 but outside of that i would have to say like any of the old lakers celtic series yeah you know what i mean like back in the 80s like that would be great for see, me see any I, of them. i'd want
0: to watch the bad boy pistons against the bulls the up and coming bulls. Yeah, th- that, yeah the ones series.
2: where they just walked off the court like before the game was over. <laughs> yeah, man.
0: exactly. Yeah. That's that yeah. series. That's yeah. what I would
1: want to watch. <laughs> Plus,
0: I can just watch any ESPN thirty for thirty.
1: See, but that's what they should. Be, that's what every one of these channels should be showing is the classics. Like, I don't want to watch last year's midseason game. I want. I want. I want to watch the Sixers in the play. I want to watch the fo fo for playoffs. That's they what had, I want to watch. They
0: had the Celtics series on uh, that you could see on NBC. Bring Sports back probably.
1: Prism. Bring back. That's what you Hey, you know back.
0: that I advertise for that. I wear that shirt all the time <laughs> out there. I'm calling for it to come back. Keith. So uh, I was asking Jeff, because I don't know, what is the NBA protocol around this all for publicizing what goes on in terms of how players are and and what goes on going forward? And then we'll get into what the Sixers are are doing in terms of their week of up and downs.
2: You know, I think a lot of it, well, I think it's up to the team and it's up to the player, you know, meaning there are certain teams that they say, hey, you know, there's going to be a source that's going to leak something out, you know, and and it's up to the player. Like, for instance, you know, Rudy Gobert, um, like Donovan Mitchell, even down to, to, uh, let's see, the Boston Celtics when uh, Marcus Smart got it. You know, these are people who just basically are saying, look, you know, I got the, I, you know, I, I got the uh, the virus or COVID-19. I tested positive for it, but I wanted to get it out there just so people around me know that I have and they can get tested. Then there's other teams who say, hey, you know, right now, you know, with the HIPAA laws and this and that, we want to go ahead and we want to protect our players. And in a way, you are protecting the players, but when you have a, a pandemic. And then there's like 15 guys on the team. There's, you know, let's face the Sixers travel party is like 66 people. And so now when you just come out and you say that, hey, we have three people within our travel party who have something, then you have all these people who are going into self-quarantine, people get nervous, people don't know. And sometimes I think that, you know, you got to respect a guy like Marcus Smart and you got to respect the Utah Jazz and, and people like that because what they did is they nipped it in the bud quickly. You know, they allowed people who were around these people to go get tested and people who weren't to basically not think that they have symptoms when they don't. And I understand it. You know, Jeff understands it. you <laughs> being a lawyer yeah. with the HIPAA laws and everything. But at the same time, under a situation like that, you know i think that it's one of those things where it's best to have the person at least step up and say hey y'all i'm clear i don't have it so what it's you know?
1: so, so what did the nba do cuz there were teams that played other teams the night the night that they finally shut it down the sixers mm-hmm. were one of them christian wood tests positive comes out and yeah. says he tests positive the sixers haven't announced who it is and that's fine But did the NBA start a protocol that everybody in the NBA, every one of those 66 people that you're mentioning that travels with the team, that all of those people got tested so they didn't have to talk about what each person was?
2: No, what they did is – see, at first, you got to realize, when the Utah Jazz did it, they tested, I believe it was 53 people. And, you know, even like some of the reporters who were there were tested – and they all were quarantined, and they all flew back on the team plane, (laughs) you know what I mean, because they wanted to make sure everything was okay. And uh, you you can look at it and say the Utah Jazz did what they were supposed to do, but they also got criticized for doing that, you know, because people were saying, well, how dare all these people get it, you know, get these tests when there's people in Oklahoma who haven't received tests. So they got negative, a lot of negative feedback. So what the league did was there were eight teams who played, you know, eight teams who were linked that played within certain days. So, like, if you play Detroit Pistons, for, for instance, they played uh, the Utah Jazz. They also played the Sixers. Right. So what they did is they, they uh, gave tests to the Utah Jazz. They gave tests to the Sixers. You know, they gave tests to, like, eight, you know, eight teams in total. Um, and then let's just say if there were other guys on other teams who exhibited, um, you know, who who exhibited symptoms, they were also tested. So you know, like now again, they may have been some executives on that team, on those teams who were who were tested, but their focus was to to first get the players, and then if you feel like if the players don't have it you know, we, uh, we won't test anyone else unless they have some symptoms. So that's how that went about. Now, in the perfect world, everyone would have been tested, but, again, they did not want to get that negative feedback, at the, the feedback that they received from, you know,
1: the initial testing when they gave it to the Utah Jazz. All right, so Jason also started to ask a question that, that I'm going to ask it more bluntly than he did, well, than he wanted to which is uh, what are the Sixers, what are all the teams doing to make sure that their players are staying in shape in case they come back to make sure that they're in good shape and, and, and for our team, you know, making sure that they're not getting a whole bunch of takeout from Chick-fil-A. And Keith, that for me, that comes from your mailbag today. People could read that. Mm-hmm. Somebody
0: sent you a tweet asking about if it benefits the Sixers that these players have rest. And one of the points you made is only if Embiid is – keeping himself in shape because he's been known to not always do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, which is true. And so what teams are doing, like, you know, there are certain guys, like I remember, just giving an example, I remember New Orleans Noel, like I've been over his house a couple of times, and he had like a row home where my man had like a half court in a row home. And I was like, well, I was blown away. Like, whoa, really? <laughs> in a row home. So, so that's His neighbors that must crazy, have been thrilled huh
1: his neighbors must have been thrilled, <laughs> yeah exactly you know what
2: I mean It was like it was on the ground floor and then he had like a i mean it was it was nice it was really nice, but there are certain players who have you know they have uh workout facilities in their you know in in their in their homes there are other ones who what teams are doing is you know certain players what they're doing is they're they're taking the equipment to them like they're taking workout equipment to them and and trying to like monitor what they're doing you know having you know, phone conversations with them and, and, and things like that. Um, so that's what they're trying to do. But for the most part, you know, under these circumstances, it's really like they want people to be self-quarantined. You know, some people may go over to a guy's house to keep up with them, but for the most part it's like, you know, you're talking to them, you know, through Zoom or, 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 or uh, you know, like having them keep up with you in other means. But, yeah, they're trying to get these guys these workouts. Um, But, you know, a lot of these guys are in the tax bracket that we're not in. So you you assume that they do have some pretty good things and and nice equipment at their houses. Um, But not all of them do. But like for a guy like Embiid, you know, you, you would assume that he would be one of the guys that they would try to get some equipment to so he can keep in shape.
1: What do they do about the guy? I mean, most of these guys at this point in the season need some sort of medical treatment to keep up too. I mean, especially we, we know with Ben Simmons, he has the back issue. What what are they doing to deal with those issues?
2: You know, I, I, I'm assuming that they're going to try to keep that up as much as they can, you know. Um, you know, like Ben Simmons, you know, he was doing some some drills and stuff like that. You know, I'm assuming they're going to try to keep that up, but you just can't do it from the practice facility. And that's when it gets a little tricky. You know, you just can't. And unfortunately, I mean, I wouldn't say that of something like of that nature, because it is a serious issue, especially for him moving forward, that they're not just going to, like, let that go by the wayside. You know, I I think that it comes a point in time where, you know, again, you know, the players were tested. You have to believe that the people who are going to come in contact with Ben Simmons also has to be tested as well, and then they'll probably be in a, in a self quarantine situation. You know, it may get delayed a little bit, but you have to assume that once that person gets a a positive test result, that they're going to try to make it. You know, try to see if they could work with them. You know, because you don't want something like that to 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 go on or 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 not be treated. But for the most part, I think that you know it's one of those things where lot of guys are in limbo mm-hmm. a lot of guys if it's not something serious it's just a lot of rest you know
0: a like lot you talk about limbo the economic limbo of teams organizations industries frankly right now with everything uh the sixers s- sort of s- sports writers yeah. yeah uh the sixers sort of seemed to be the canary in the coal mine this week going first trying to cut salaries for at will employees the next day they reversed course Probably part in uh, part of the reaction that they got, part that Joel Embiid said he'd cover it, uh, donate money. What are your thoughts on what happened this week with what the Sixers tried to do and how other teams are going to take notice for what they tried to do and what the reaction was?
2: You know, it's weird because I, I think the fact that they were the first, it looked bad. You know now you you know you see where the NBA is going to do that for the commissioner. I mean, I believe that the players are going. They're not going to get their full sal- full salary because there's a clause that say that they don't have to pay them because of uh you know because of this situation you know. But you know the the thing with the Sixers, it looked bad because you know you, you see this happen in big business all the time, right? But then, when you have a owner who's worth close to four billion dollars, another one, another uh, a co-managing partner who's worth 1.3 billion, and when you're talking about a guy making a, a male or a female making more than fifty thousand, and they can be docked up to 20 percent of their pay over two months, it just looks bad. You know, it really looks bad because it looks like. Talking about a owner who's going to lose millions of dollars, but you're taking, you know, thousands of dollars away from someone who's going to make fifty five thousand dollars. You know what I mean? That's like a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, that's it's a lot, and it just looks bad. It's
0: right? the optics for them that play into yeah. it as much as anything else. I mean, the reality yeah. of what they're doing is is a s- separate issue from the way it looks. That you have billionaires. Telling people who are struggling paycheck to paycheck, you should cut a little bit. Well, my
1: understanding is they also at first made it optional for the higher-paid employees, which, uh, you know, I'm sure the uh, the lower-paid employees would have liked the option too. I don't understand why they just didn't make it across the board
2: at first. Is optional is different because the optional thing is like when you're a contracted employee, you know, like you know, you sign that contract, that's the money you have to get. So you, you can't just come out and tell them, I'm a, I'm a adopt your pay. So that's where the option came. And let's keep it real. If you're like the general manager of the Sixers and you want to remain the general manager of the Sixers, if cut. your boss calls you in the office and says, hey, we really want you to take this pay cut for the next couple months, well, if you want to remain, you're going to take it. Well, Did you hear? Well, but, of that's, any...
1: but that's why. That's why. I, while it was legally optional, optional, it wasn't optional. It, it, all the Sixers had to do was go to go to those front office people and say, "Look, this is what we have to do for the the lower paid employees. We're asking you to do the same thing because otherwise, it's going to make us look really bad. And if we look mm-hmm. really bad, guess who
2: we're going to blame for it? And, and yeah, but here's my thing: If you're Brett Brown, would you take it? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't. I mean, okay, I, t- so I would
1: take the cut. So Keith, I, I you know you wouldn't. I would not I, I
2: if I'm Brett Brown, I wouldn't take that cut. Oh, he's I been mean, because,
1: stealing money anyway.
2: <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, well, he, yeah. <laughs> let, let, me, let me steal this last paycheck because of the last two paychecks. I mean, because you got to realize something. There, uh, you know, in the NBA, the the season a lot of the, the season ends well for players. It's going to end at the end of the regular season, and then all the money that they get in the playoffs is kind of like a bonus. Mm-hmm. So, for like a guy like Brett Brown, who we both know is. If, well, he, he could possibly keep his job now because, like, they're not playing. But if the season would Wow, continue, you just
1: made the mood in Philadelphia a
2: whole <laughs> lot worse. So, I mean, but, 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 if only so we
0: were on keep, video, Keith, you would have enjoyed but, my reaction right there.
2: But but if he, if he doesn't, like, let's just say if he doesn't make the playoffs, right? If he doesn't make the playoffs, and then all of a sudden, I mean, excuse me, if he doesn't go to the conference finals right. or he, you know, doesn't have a lot of success, you know, everybody's under the assumption that he's going to lose his job. So you're basically, you're like you're thinking that you could possibly, I mean, he's thinking that he's going to lose his job, too. And then all of a sudden, they're going to say, all right, man, thanks for pl- uh, taking that 20% pay decrease, but you're out of here. Nah, it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? It just doesn't. And then and if I was him, I wouldn't take it. Only how I would take it if I came in there and my agent was like, all right, look, <laughs> we take this 20%. But you have to guarantee us and put it in writing that I'm going to be here next year. You have to put it in writing. If not, we're not going to do it.
1: He needs you as an I'm, agent. You're in the wrong field. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean that's. I mean, dude, like they. That's. I'm now again, 20% from what he's making for like over two months. I mean, his family isn't going to suddenly eat soup sandwiches, um, syrup sandwiches, rather. <laughs> yeah. So he'll be fine. So. Um, you know, but it's just to me now. Again, if the Sixers would have waited like three days to do this after the NBA came out and said that they're doing that for NBA employees, mm-hmm. then people would have been like, oh, "Okay, they're I understand." The lead, but following the lead, but the fact that they were the first ones to do it, you know, it and it just didn't look right. And then the fact that they came out and said, "Yeah, but well, what we're going to do is we're going to." Um, you know, we're going to distribute food to our neighbors in Philly, Camden, and Newark. Now, y'all know that they're not their neighbors. That's the one thing. Right. And secondly, you know, people are looking at it like, wow, so the money that you're going to dock your, from your employees is going to go to the money that you're going to give to these people. You know what I mean? It, you're, it's just you're
1: playing mad one group it. of people against another.
2: Yeah, I mean it's just bad it's just bad optics, man. And and again, I know they were saying we're not trying to lay people off, we're not trying to do this and that, but at that particular time it just looked crazy. You know, it just looked crazy. Now, if they would've waited it. It would've been like, yep, you said like y'all said they're following the lead But the fact that they did it first, it just
1: didn't look right. All right. Well, but there are some fun optics from this. In every trying time, there's always people that can provide entertainment. And Tobias Harris and Matisse Theibel seem to be the guys that are providing the city and and others around the NBA with, with at least a little bit of entertainment. What is up with Tobias Harris deciding that he's announcing who players of the game are of games that they didn't play?
2: I mean, you know, you talk to people close to him, and he's saying he's just having fun. Yeah, You know, it's like... It he, is fun. He, he on, yeah, it is fun. Yeah. And he honestly wants to continue playing. And he wants to keep his mindset. Like, you know, basically, when you're in the middle of a season, you're getting in that grind, and you're doing this, there's like a certain mold, a certain mindset that you that you get into, especially now heading into the playoffs. And the thing is, he wants to keep that up because... You know, when you start thinking like, okay, we're on break, we're you know we're not, um, everything is relaxed, and then when you come back, are you are you going to be totally into it? It's like you have to get your mindset back into it. And he wants to have fun with it, and he also wants to like when? make sure that he's still in there focused. You know, he gets up in the morning, he does his workouts, he does whatever he can just to make sure when they, when, they, when they get that call and they say, all right, fellas, we're going to start the season again in two weeks, he wants to be there. He does what, what know, we're hoping Embiid's going to gonna do. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're hoping. But that's what, So that's part of it. You know what I mean? He's going about it every game. And then let's face it, he knows that people are having fun with it, too. Yeah. But yeah, well, except except Matisse, but except, except, that Matisse, but except huh? Matisse,
1: except Matisse, but somehow either wasn't following him or paying attention.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, Matisse is having a great time. I yeah. mean, that tells you a lot about Matisse's personality. You mean TikTok?
0: Oh, he's yeah, like a good time.
2: Yeah, that that says a lot about him that he's able to do that, and you know, he's t- you can tell he's taking time with these videos. <laughs> everything. Well, he's also so, yeah, he's also a lot about Matisse. Yeah, but he's also mm-hmm.
1: play, he's also challenging the teams that he's supposed to play. We're all supposed to be down at the uh, Sixers Suns game Mikhail tonight. Playing Bridges tonight on NBA 2K. Yeah. So who you got in that game? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't
1: know, man. Keith. Don't you're going to be writing stories <laughs> about that pretty soon. Yeah. yeah uh, wait, it, are you going to cover that tonight? Or now are you going to nope. cover? No. <laughs> no. <Nah>, uh-uh.
0: <laughs> don't look nope. for the tweets from Pompeii on Sixers, Keith. We're glad you're. Feeling well. Always appreciate you giving us time, and uh, we hope they get back to some games soon so uh, we can get you back on talk about some stuff on the court.
2: Yeah, I know. We need to talk about, like, the 1985 World Series. We could talk about stuff like that, too.
0: All right. <laughs> I, I, I'm down.
2: All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, right. man. Talk to you later. All right. Peace. Bye.
0: <laughs> Jeff.
1: Who was in the 1985 World Series? That
0: was the Cardinals against the Oh, Royals? I figured he,
1: I figured he pick, would pick a Pirates one.
0: I don't know. Yeah. 86 was Mets, Red Sox.
1: Keith, if you're still listening, you've got to do the We Are Family team. 85 86 is the
0: start of my sports memories. I know that makes you feel old, but. No, it just makes you lame. Lame? Yeah. Why? I wasn't old enough to know about it. (laughs) You should still. <laughs> how, at what age
1: am I supposed to know about this? You're supposed to go back and watch it. I mean, I've been well, watching with Brandon. With, with since all the he was garbage warm. that you watch on television late at night, including Do sports. Do you know how them. difficult
0: it is when sports aren't on? when Where's all you the watch Ocho is when you need it? I don't want. People are talking about all these shows you can stream and watch. Yeah. I don't watch any of them. Oh. I, I, I'm so bad at that. Like, hey, I,
1: all, all I'm gonna say is I've, I'm watching stuff now that I never thought I'd be watching.
3: Uh, Before right. we get to our next guest, I got to ask you guys because I was 13 years old. What are your memories of that 0-1 run for the Sixers and, namely, the Conference Finals when uh, Vince Carter put up that shot? And I thought, I, hold I, thought breath. I was going in. <laughs> I
0: thought <laughs> I remember.
3: <laughs> I remember
0: thinking it was going in.
3: I remember the Iverson
0: step over. Um, I remember the trade for Dikembe Matumbo mid-season. Uh, it's funny. That he, so <laughs> Mike Vito's behind the glass waving his finger with the Dikembe yeah. finger. Uh-huh. My son does that. So I'll ask have, my have three-year-old sh- to do something, yeah. and I'll get the Dikembe finger wave telling me have, no.
1: Have you ever seen Jimmy Kimmel and Dikembe Matumbo do the Dikembe Matumbo song? No, I'm gonna. You have, you to. have you've got to look it up. All Everybody's right. got to look. it It's hilarious. I'm gonna definitely
3: yes.
0: have to do that. So I remember a lot about that run. Actually, think
3: about that run. Who they had to. That go was the first too.
0: Sixers run that I was old enough to really get. Eighty-three, I was
1: four years old. So, and I, by the way, Vince Carter was still playing before this all happened. Yeah, he was amazing. Still, well, his last
3: game and, and his yeah. last game he hit a 3. Yeah. Like he got and, a three,
1: ended up being yeah. that,
0: but so like that 01, that was the first Sixers team after those really lean years. I mean, I remember the early, the early 90s with the Barkley teams mm-hmm. and I remember I was at that game where the Sixers played the Bulls and Jordan and Barkley both went off. I was I was there with my my Dad Murray and that was a game that we saw together and Which our, one? Uh the Bulls Sixers what at year the was Spectrum. That? I think it was 90. I was at that game. I think it was 90.
1: I think they both had over 50 points.
0: They did. Yeah. They did. The Sixers won. It was the only Mm -hmm. game the Sixers won in that series. You were there? I was. Um, I was there with my dad. And it was like, those are the cool experiences. So in 90, I would have been 11. Oh, my goodness.
1: Sorry. Yeah. Ten or eleven at that point. You were probably one of those kids that was like in the line in front of me, just annoying. But like that's why it'd be fun to see some of those games mm-hmm. on TV. Now. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I don't need to see last year's game or a game from three months I ago. I enjoyed. They w- really should focus on because you know what this is. This is a chance to educate people on sports too. Sure. For people the to learn sports. the history of sports, and I, and I don't think they're taking advantage of that. And it, it's just. Just like we're trying to do now, even though we're not we're not ignoring what's going on. Sports is about escapism and sports is about the, your memories, your childhood. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. You, you could see your face light up when you're talking about Mike. I'm assuming it's lighting up, but he's, I've got my back to him. Yeah, but that, that's what sports is. And that's what we need to keep remembering is that there's going to be a time where, where this is a time we need sports. Well, you have and, an
0: idea for baseball.
1: I do. For uh, when they come back. It, well, if if they can't come back so that we're all comfortable going to stadiums, instead of scrapping the season, to me, the easiest thing is you always want to control the environment. The easiest way to control the environment is, is to limit the number of locations you go to. They all already were at spring training. Some of them are still down at the complexes. All you need to do is make, instead of having American and national and having them in their divisions, is just – Everybody go back to the Cactus League or go back to the Grapefruit League and have the games. They can get on buses. They don't have to worry about planes and that additional exposure. Don't have the fans there, but make sure you televise it. Have a season. I don't know how many games it is. Have a playoff, the Cactus League pennant versus the Grapefruit League pennant, and then have a World Series. And they Just are,
0: for a year. They are talking about potential, you know, if they come back – And there are issues in certain cities potentially having neutral site playoff or World Series games. I guess people are going to have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable when it comes to sports, and things gonna, you
1: knew. People are going to have to not complain about whatever solution they come up with because I think realize people are gonna everybody take everybody's going to they can get for sports at this point. Like I said, you'd yeah, be you watching want a Thursday Night Football. Do you want to bet? You would be
0: sitting, waiting for Thursday Night Football to start making your popcorn if it was on right now. Oh, yeah. I would Absolutely. Have been, I would have been watching it last night instead of the Netflix series that I'm watching. Absolutely. And so I think that people will be anxiously awaiting. I just hope some of these leagues don't have... Financial issues. I mean, Keith mentioned it. They're going the, to. The NBA in terms of what they're going to pay. Uh, everything is based on their revenue projections. Those mm-hmm. revenues are going to be down. They're missing out on the money now. They won't make up those games. Yes, some of their expenses are down, but we haven't even looked yeah, at but what but the we're, economic we're impact Yeah, but we're all going
1: yet. to go through that. Yes. We're all going to go through it together. So uh, I'm not worried about whether the sports teams make a little less money.
0: Now, the draft is going to go on... Like normal,
1: uh, it's just not going to be in Vegas. Well, let's let's see. I mean, the NFL is is the most stubborn of leagues right now. They said it's going and, on, and, and and their own general managers group has said they don't want it to go on. Did you right? see?
0: Did you see? Um, Roger Goodell say like basically don't complain about it, or or you'll be fined. Now, Jeff, good do you think good luck the, with that,
3: because they're the only one that's technically not in season of games and not losing games right now. Could you imagine if this was actually going on in the NFL season? Like, would like what would the pandemonium be like if with
1: no football right now? Oh, I, I don't. I think Roger Goodell and the owners would try as hard as they could to continue with those football games. I I, I think that they would clear out the stadiums. I think that they play an empty stadium because let's face it, the stadium revenue isn't where they have big money is for. So, if they play in empty stadiums, they're pretty much okay with it. Good. Goodell warned people not
0: to talk about their draft complaints with the threat of disciplinary action. Public discussion of issues relating to the draft serves no useful purpose and is grounds for disciplinary action. Good luck. Uh, there, was an, I, I, <laughs> there was an anonymous I, 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 AFC general manager who or executive who did not
1: appreciate. Yeah, let, let, let me that. let me be. Gl- I'll be glad to hand out my business card to all all of the NFL executives that will feel like talking. Because Roger Goodell, this is the last thing he should be worried about right now is what people are saying about what's going on. Did you watch Jake Elliott's trick shots? Yeah, they're pretty good. There's there's a bunch of people that are doing really good stuff on the internet now.
0: You see the personality of some of these athletes coming through. Again,
1: a missed opportunity. This is where the Ocho would be perfect. Put all of those videos, as long as there's some sports-related idea out of it, put them all on there. Well, we're not going to
0: need any videos right now because we've got a man who was in the middle of it all for many, many years. Uh, The author of Son of a Bum, uh, Super Bowl winning coach wade phillips uh wade thanks so much for joining us today
4: hey you bet you know it's not a bum though You <laughs> <He laughs> didn't want to be called a bum he, son, no
0: went, son son of, son bum. of, uh, son of bum. Yeah. no I'm, I'm i get the son of a don't worry about that it's that's all me yeah. um it was interesting uh, though you know no the, the book jeff and i talk a lot Jeff coached his dad or coached his uh son I have young kids that, you know, the intricacy of getting them into sports, you very much followed your your father's path and um, believed in the things that he said. Can you talk about the relationship you had and and how it led towards what you created in your life?
4: Well, it's, uh, you know, I I was a coach's kid. So I was around the, uh, you know, the field house where he worked and uh, around all the coaches and. And they used chalkboards then, uh, them using all the chalkboards. uh, So I I knew a lot about coaching or what coaches did. And uh, and some of it I absorbed, certainly, you know, the X's and O's of it. So uh, it was fun being around all that as a kid. And then I grew up and I said, hey, you know, what do you want to do? Well, I know what coaches do, so uh, that's what I tried to do.
1: Wade, one of the things that I took out of the book, uh, having gone through Coach My Kid, through his, his childhood, obviously not into college or the pros, but um, it is the, the trusting nature that you had with your, your father's advice from where you were going to college uh, instead of taking a scholarship at Alabama, going to the University of Houston, about taking a job um, in high school as opposed to taking a graduate assistant job. How did that relation yep. develop, and and, and and how and how did you become so trusting of the advice that he was giving you? Because I can tell you I have a rebellious teenager right now. and At least I didn't read about the rebellious yeah, awesome. way in the book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
4: he was actually that way with, with everybody. He had a great, uh, I call it common sense, but uh, a lot of people ask him, you know, what job they ought to take or what they ought to do. I mean, he just had that, he had that about him that, you know. Uh, and, and, and he usually had good advice. So uh, he, he was a person certainly you could trust.
0: You, you ended up going to coach uh, high school in Texas. Can you talk about Texas football? Uh, I, that's like something, you know, people in Philadelphia, if they haven't been there, I don't think they have any idea what that's like.
4: Yeah, uh, the high school I went to, and, and uh, my wife, uh, we met there in high school, uh, I'll tell you this little story. Her, uh, her dad, uh, they they have like twelve thousand seat stadium, and they and they fill it up every week. But they have uh, the the parents have uh, you know uh, seats that that on the fifty yard line or so forth, and then they pass them down, you know. And my my father in law passed away, and the first thing they called and said say say we're sorry to hear. You, Pass away, but are you going to give up your season ticket? <laughs> so, that's, that's really that's really the way it is down there. Yeah,
1: high school football is such a big deal that I was I was surprised to to learn in your book that that your father actually coached rival high school football teams.
4: Yeah, and they did because he had beaten them one. He was when he first started. He was a he was at one school, and and the other school was a a bigger school. And he beat the other team every year they're big rivals, and he beat they're still playing uh and he beat the other team every year, and the other team won like one state championships at, at a higher level and so when he decided to leave UTap or Texas western then uh the other the other bigger school <laughs> decided to hire him' because they wanted to beat the other other school and and we did
1: and and, and the, the, it was interesting to learn that the road between the two schools is is called bum phillips way um what was it like to or what's it been like for you to drive on, yeah. on a road named after your dad
4: yeah it's really neat and actually the game itself has been played 80 something years and they have a trophy which is the bum phillips trophy and that's you know that's obviously the big deal whoever wins gets the trophy so uh, it's, a, it's I went to the first uh first time they played for the trophy and Gave out the trophy, and the kids just went crazy. It was a really neat deal.
0: So you were on your dad's staff in New Orleans when he decided to retire. And from the book, you ended up finding out from the owner, Tom Benson, and then you became the coach of the team. Can you talk about what it was like not just to take over for a legend midseason, but also for your dad?
4: Yeah, it was real emotional, you know. Uh, I don't know if I told all of it, but uh, maybe in the book. But, uh, you know, we played a game, and we weren't doing great that year. And uh, uh, we played a game at home, and we lost. And at the end of the game, uh, a guy threw a beer on my dad as he walked in the tunnel, you know. And I didn't – I mean, I thought a lot of it. But uh, we went and played the next week in Minnesota, beat Minnesota – and, then that's, and he didn't tell me, and that's when he announced that, uh, you know, he's going to retire. And he, he, did, he didn't want to go back to New Orleans where, where somebody would do that. He, he felt so insulted that he wouldn't, didn't want to go back to New Orleans and, and, you know, coach for that team anymore. So, uh, and it surprised everybody. The owner, Benson, loved him as everybody else did. And Tom Benson came in and told the team that he had retired and cried. You know, and and uh, and maybe because, maybe because he's gonna make me the head coach. That may be why he's crying, but I don't know. <laughs> what was it like
0: to to follow? You know, they always talk about following a legend. You you had you know walked in your dad's footsteps. Here you are, literally walking in his footsteps to take over for him at that point.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, I was young. You know, in my thirties, and um, you know, I, I I thought I could do it certainly, but. Uh, you know, Bob was a general manager and head coach, so I, I I certainly didn't know anything about being a general manager, so uh, so I had to do a lot of things that that I didn't know anything about towards the end of the season. I mean, after the season was over, and then finally they decided to bring someone else in, Jim Mora, who did a great job there.
1: You know, one of the, one of the things that that I liked ab- about the way the book is is written is you know as as a fan growing up in that era. You know, I'd see your dad with the, with the cowboy hat and the cowboy boots, and, and you kind of have the caricature of a tough guy on the sideline. But but your dad was anything but a tough guy. He was somebody that, that actually, unlike what you see with, like, the Bill Belichicks, um, your your father had relationships with players, not only on his own team, but uh, you wrote about, uh, you know, that he was friends with Terry Bradshaw, which which when I saw that, my, my mouth dropped, you know, because I watched those Oilers-Steelers games. Um what oh, was yeah, it?
4: I mean, that, that, was, that, was, that was a different time, that's for sure. But he was different, you know. He, the players called him Bum. They didn't call him Coach Phillips. They called him Bum because that's what he wanted to be personal, you know. And I called my dad because he wanted everybody to call him Bum in the football situation. I called him Bum in a football situation. Now, when, when we were off the field somewhere, well, then I'd call him Dad. But, uh, you know, that's the way he was. He, he wanted to have a relationship with people. I mean, uh, Walter Payton came up. He, we were at the New Orleans, and Walter Payton set the record. He only needed 40 yards or something to set the all-time record. He made it against us and the Saints. He came over to the sideline and hugged my dad uh, after breaking the record and then went to his sideline. Wow. I mean, this crazy relationships, and they're great. Uh, we just don't have some of those anymore.
0: You were here in Philly on Buddy Ryan's staff for three years. And, look, that was that was my time of growing up. I loved that that defense. I experienced my first heartbreak watching the Fog Bowl, uh, which you saw yeah. up close, the part you could see from the booth. Can you talk a little bit about That's right. that game and what it was like to be on Buddy Ryan's staff and, and work here in Philly?
4: Yeah, and Philly was. I mean, yeah, we we came in and we we had to build a team. We we won the first first time they'd won the division since uh, I think Vermeil had been there. So, uh, and yes, Reggie White, Clyde Simmons, Jerome Brown, and some guy named Mike Golick. I don't know who, I don't know who <laughs> about him. But those other three guys were pretty good, and uh, we had a great you know, uh, and Buddy. You know, I learned from Buddy. I mean, he just came from the 85 Bears and the 46 defense. And uh, so I, I came in and being his coordinator, and and I enjoyed that. I mean, I, it was a big learning process for me because I hadn't coached any of that. Nobody had. And actually, I've used a lot of the concepts in the 3-4 that I've run since then. You know, uh, they were uh, they were really good at the time, and still, still there, a lot of people use some of those concepts.
1: Well, the good news for you was you were lucky enough to be on the defensive side of the ball because the way you describe Buddy Ryan and the way we've always heard it here, the Buddy hated offense.
0: But apparently, he hated something else more. <laughs> <laughs> he hated the, he hated the Cowboys. He hated the offense. What, what, yeah,
1: what was it? I mean, he, we we had you know you had Randall Cunningham and and those kind of guys. What was what was it yeah. about offense that that Buddy just didn't like? <laughs>
4: He didn't like it at the Bears either, you know. <laughs> I mean, he he hated he hated offense. You know, it was it, <laughs> he, he. I mean, he would get on him. He would tell him, "Hey, you guys only have a couple more plays in practice because we're going to practice the defense now." And they'd say, "Coach, we got 30 more plays." And he said, "I don't care. We're, <laughs> we're working on defense." So I mean, he he was defensive-minded for sure.
0: He hated the Cowboys, it seems, more than he hated his offense. Uh, You talk about the game that he had Randall throwing five seconds left and up more uh, with the touchdown. You talk about what that rivalry was like for you, who then ended up being on the other side of the rivalry as the Cowboys coach, what that was like for you.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Buddy hated the Cowboys. The reason, uh, I guess it was in there, the reason he hated the Cowboys was during the strike year, their strike players came back earlier when we played them, you know, and of course they beat us and, and uh, uh, you know, he, he really, he didn't like that, that they played their star players and, and we had all the so-called scabs and they beat the heck out of us. And so after that, man, he, he, he really hated them. Well, you told the story. Was,
1: uh, you told a story about that. The, that buddy uh, ran a play with five seconds left. What was what? What did the coaching staff think of the fact that Buddy was about to run a play with five seconds and up by more than a touchdown against the Cowboys?
4: Yeah, uh, I you know, I mean, I didn't know we were going to do it. I thought we were going to, you know, kneel on the ball. Game's over. You know, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden he he told him to fake kneel it and throw it, and he throws it to Mike quick. And it's incomplete but it's but it's they call it interference. And so we get the ball on the one yard line with no time left in the game, the game's over, you get another play, and we ran it in for for a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, you talk about rubbing in. I mean, Look, we could have just walked off the field. No,
0: nobody minded yeah. here in Philadelphia. That's for sure with the Cowboys. We're we're coming. Oh, I know. Yeah. We're coming up on yeah. the draft, and I did want to ask you. Um, you know, when you, with the Oilers, you guys moved up from 17 to one to get Earl Campbell. You found out from your wife <laughs> that was. It made me laugh when yeah. when I found that. Can oh, you yeah. talk about what that was like moving up to get him and how you knew what he was?
4: Yeah, I I was at Notre Dame because uh, we went out on the road to look at look at the tapes or film in those days and uh Notre Dame was one of, was one of my teams and they had about seven guys that were drafted that year on defense. And they played Texas in the in the cotton bowl. And they had shut down basically everybody said they shut down the Heights Trophy winner. He only made eighty eight yards in the game. And I looked at the game and they, I mean, it took three guys or four guys to tackle him. It, it was unbelievable how good he was, and I couldn't, I, I really couldn't believe it how good he was. And uh, then I get the phone call that I call my wife that night and find out we just traded for the number one pick, and it was Earl Campbell. Well, and it's all in. I think it's all in the book. It, it, was, it is. It's a pretty but, exciting moment for me. It
1: is. But what one of the things that happened is he got to training camp and didn't make the mile during one of his first practices.
4: Uh, that's for sure your your dad had a very interesting
1: take on that tell us about it
4: oh yeah yeah you know he he uh, they wanted to run the mile now he wasn't a miler you normally you run 40 yard dashes you know well our guys decided they wanted to see if they're in shape by running a mile well you know he 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 had 34 inch cat i mean thighs so i mean he he wasn't a miler so he falls out during the mile and just like today, I mean, all the all the media, the press guys, run up to Bum say, hey, Bum, what are you going to do? Earl didn't make the mile. He said, hell, if it's third in a mile, we won't give it to him. <laughs>
0: the book is Son of Bum, Lessons My Dad Taught Me About Football and Life. You can find it at Amazon, other bookstores. Wade, thank you so much for giving us the time today. Wish you the best of luck with everything.
4: Yeah, you bet. Hey. I, like, I like Philly fans, man. They're They're the
0: best. Well, we appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll have you back sometime. We'll talk more about the Eagles, and uh, I'd love to hear more about that defense and Reggie White and those sacks and everything like that. So, thanks so much for the time.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Reggie had twenty one sacks. <laughs> and
0: in the strike-shortened season, I, I believe me, I got more questions yeah, for 12 you. Twelve games. We'll, we'll try yeah, to get you back. Thank, yep. Thanks so much, Wade. We appreciate the time. All right. Have a great you day. Bet. Thank you. Jeff, I, I would have asked him so many more questions. I know he's got a tight schedule that we wanted to keep. Yeah, him on.
1: He, he's got an amazing his he he's like the history of the last what thirty years of football. I didn't even get him football.
0: to a, I didn't get him to ask about the miracle in in Tennessee. Um, I, I and the, look. And people the should bug get the Flutie game. You know, and,
1: now's the time to be reading books. I mean, we got we all. I'm have glad fun. you're
0: getting us a bunch of guests who have books because yeah. it gives me something to do and read. It,
1: it, there's so many good because I have all the it. free time in the world yeah. now
0: with a three week old and a three
1: year old. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, with all that free time, I'm yeah, as long as he's not to, as long as he's not ripping the pages out while you're trying to read. Well, them. thankfully, you're giving yeah. me files on the computer, <laughs> so I don't
0: have anything <laughs> that can be ripped away. I just need to hide away and do it.
1: You realize the last seven teams that he coached. They were teams that didn't make the playoffs the first year he gets there. They do, including one where, you know, with the Broncos, he comes in and wins a Super Bowl with that team, and, and that team was that defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, Peyton Manning was mo- there, but that was that defense. Most recently, he was with the Rams. Look Going at the, to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who was a defensive guru. I mean, there are not, in the up- history of the NFL, there are not more than five Coaches that have been better defensive. You think he
0: ends up back in the league?
1: He seems like he still wants to coach. Uh, maybe I don't understand why he's not with the Rams. I feel like there's all. Well, they made a lot of changes. Yeah.
0: I feel like there's always turnover in the league, and they look to
1: people with experience. I thought you were going to ask me, is, does he go to the Hall of Fame? Well, that and, I guess. And my answer is, yeah.
0: Came up with defenses, and yeah, I mean, won a Super I mean, Bowl. He, I mean, he's
1: he's worked with some great coaches, including his dad and just Buddy look Ryan. At the but
0: players that he's coached through the
1: years. Mm-hmm.
0: Bruce Smith, Reggie White, J.J. Watt, Von Miller. Oh, and you're
1: only talking recent. You Aaron can go Donald, back. You and, can go back even yeah. further to the, the players that were on his dad's team. By, by the way, and for, since, since you like to talk about how old I am. I never uh, would do did, anything did, like did, that. Did you miss the part that in order to lo- watch tape of a player, he had to travel to Notre Dame to watch film of a University of Texas football player?
0: So I wasn't because. gonna
1: call it out for you, but
0: yeah, I mean, if you want to, we can. I mean,
1: think about think about how much easier it is for them to do their jobs these days that they have access to all of this technology. Well, let's talk
0: about them doing their job now. Uh, lots of player movements again this week continue. Uh you, see, Who? you surprised the Panthers cut Cam Newton?
1: No. I'm surprised it didn't. He said, so the,
0: sooner. he said that the Panthers gave up on him.
1: They uh, did. Do you do you believe that? They did. By the way, somebody just texted us a reading is fundamental, and that person's older than me. Then, <laughs> <laughs> the question is whether he reads. I'm sure that he appreciates you pointing that out on the air. Um, where do you think he ends up? I have no idea. They really. I mean, wh- who needs a quarterback that they're willing to take that risk? I keep seeing other than, things other than about. The I keep seeing things about, about the. Denver. Sh-
0: Okay, Denver, maybe. Well, th- well, they drafted. But a quarterback they, they have last their quarterback, that Paxton Lynch. No, boy, uh, oh boy, he's who, not in the league. No, what do they have out there? Why am I drawing a blank? And <laughs> move on. I shouldn't say things I don't know about. Paxton but, Lynch. But I've I've seen you know maybe Deshaun Watson to New England, which then yeah,
1: he seems to be
2: angling. He seems for to this. be lobbying to get to yeah, and, New and,
1: England. And we talked about this last week. Is is that Bill O'Brien ha- cannot have a lot of fans in that locker room? I mean he. He's lucky they're all not meeting right now because I still believe he did he did damage in trading Hopkins. He did more damage in bad mouthing him. I, I think that that he attacked the fraternity of of players and a player who people liked. It's not like uh, Antonio Brown, who by the way, if you saw the. What uh, Arians said, Arians and, uh, not going has now to Tampa. shut that down. Not I mean, he could not be th- clear th- about
0: th- that. Tom Brady's problem is not weapons in Tampa. No. That's not going to
1: be Brady's It might be problem. the offensive line. because well, They mean, seem
0: like they're trying to bring players in to bolster it.
1: Jason Peters is still out there. Wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up there. I, I wouldn't be surprised. This is going to be like, um, like in basketball where a player signs and, and then a bunch of guys will go do the league minimum for the year so they can win a trophy. Cowboys
0: lose an offensive lineman. and Travis Frederick retires. Mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson goes to the Panthers. Um, Rashad Perryman, who I thought maybe the Eagles might look at as another wide receiver target, goes to the Jets. Packers get Devin Funches. Why
1: would anybody go to the Jets at this point? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Poor Jets fans. I know. Um, It it doesn't seem like the Eagles are making any wide receiver moves before
3: the draft. I'm going to cut you off real quick because there is a rumor going around that there may be interest in Demarcus Robinson from the Chiefs. Uh, Jeff, would you do that deal? Well, what's the deal?
0: I had heard Sammy Watkins. You, you just get, from you just team. get. Sure, would I'll you, take him. Is there some type of package that you would give up of draft picks for a player like that, or would you prefer to go into the draft fourth round or in lower? What is a deep draft
1: for wide receiver? No, fourth round or ro- lower. I would do it. Okay, and I, I think that's all you'd need to do for a wide receiver like that. Okay. The question is why Andy Reid would do that. Mm. Andy Reid loves weapons. He's got a ton of weapons. He just won a Super Bowl. As long as they're under the cap, well, they don't need to do anything. If it. it Unless they're going to get a defensive player from the Eagles, and they're not going to. Eagles don't have defensive players to trade.
0: No, they're trying to fill right. holes
1: right now. Uh, they
0: the Eagles, So uh, if, if
1: Andy Reid wants to do it for a draft pick,
0: sure. The Eagles re-sign Cam Johnson. They exercise the option on Zach Ertz. Uh, Will Parks coming in, turned down money to play other places. He'll be mm-hmm. a cornerback safety. Uh, Jatavis Brown. And Will uh, Parks t-
1: talked a lot about Darius Lay's uh, enthusiasm for playing for the Eagles.
0: The thing that got me excited about Darius Slay the most is listening to Calvin Johnson talk about him and having to go against him in practice. By the way, pre-
1: prediction: Slay's jersey will be the most popular jersey going into the season for the Eagles. Why? Just because fans are excited? We have a cornerback. Uh, I, I just, I just think <laughs> him, his personality. I think people are going to like him so, in the city. His personality. I think the name. I just think it, it's. I, I'm just telling. We'll see you
3: after th- the draft because if they get Ruggs, Ruggs will be the popular jersey. All right. I think people
0: want an exciting wide receiver. I don't know with how deep this draft is whether the Eagles end up doing that first round or they do like oh, second, third, or third, I know. Fourth. I, I
1: know the guy that I want from this draft. Who do you want? I want T. Higgins. Okay, the guy from Clemson.
3: No argument there. Yeah, he
1: he is just stellar as a wide receiver. I saw him in person a couple of years ago, and he is awesome.
3: Pressures on. High. I don't
1: know why he's dropping though.
3: Well,
0: so. Pressure's on Howie, though. Joe Douglas isn't here. It's it's clearly his team, and they have holes that they need to fill, and there are critiques of Howie's past drafts. Mm -hmm. Uh, How confident are you heading into the draft, which clearly is going to be different and displaced, having not been able to work out some players. They're not going to be in one place. Well, it's
1: going to depend on what he does. If he takes a wide receiver, I think that's the safest thing for him to do to avoid criticism, right? If he goes with any other position— He's going to hope that that, that that's going to be a jackpot. With it, a wide receiver, I think that they could make it work. I think that person will play in the first year and they'll have a chance to thrive. You know who won't play here as wide receiver this year? Nelson Aguilar. I know. He's going to the Raiders. Now, do you think that people will just stop with the Nelson Aguilar criticism at this point no. and, re- and real And realize <laughs> no, he's, not he's a meme. Not from Philly, you kidding anyway? me? Okay, but do you, you do realize that he was an integral part of this only Super Bowl that Philadelphia ever had. That yep. was the only year he did anything but, but But the fact is, okay, now he's gone. Now do people start looking back and going, he was part of that team. And, and not just a part. He was an integral part of that team. I think they'll be thankful that they had him and yeah. what he did that year. And but say, peace, I'll drive you to the airport. But, yeah. <laughs> he's looking at what
3: he, but it's more of what you've done for me lately and what happened this year was just, I think, a disastrous for him.
0: Yeah. Um, Branding issues. Uh, the Rams have a new logo. Eric Dickerson and other fans are not satisfied how, with it. How, you know, it looks like Eric the, Chargers.
1: Eric Dickerson. Well, it looks like a co- there's actually a college logo that looks it's very very uh, similar. So that was okay. So yeah. this
0: is my legal segment because uh-huh. I have these questions. Yeah. One, there's the college that looks exactly the same. Yes. Do they have a case to argue against the Rams? Sure. They the did. mark. Is, now
1: I don't know if they trademarked it or not, but but I'm assuming they did. Now the problem is a lot of it's really high- very similar. Yeah, well this is this is the problem that like that the Vegas Golden Knights had. That they had a problem with colleges too I with their name. Had, I thought they had a problem Uh-oh. with the name. Oh right. there we go. Yeah. I thought they had a problem with the yes, name right. itself, but, not but, the right, but it was with a college is my point. Okay. It wasn't I'm not talking about the logo. I'm just saying that it was a problem with the college. So you can you can have a problem with it. I, I just don't understand <clears throat> what they were doing. I have no idea what they're doing. I, I do want to
0: ask you allergies, Jeff, allergies. I do want to ask you, Tom Brady tried to trademark
1: TB times TB. Um, <laughs> he's always trying to trademark stuff. This isn't the first thing that he's tried to do. By the way, you forgot about the Chargers logo. So so what do you think about the fact that it, it appears, because they haven't announced their new uniforms yet,
0: they're going all powder blue. Look, I like the powder blue, so you I, you're not going to get an argument from me. Look,
1: as a kid who grew up as a Georgia fan, I'm telling you that I don't know if I want the powder. I blue I like all the, the time. powder
0: bre- blues. I like the matter, Kelly no, greens. Th- I I like those oh, uniforms.
1: You must be very excited. I saw the, the content- helmet rule is about to go away. I am very year, though, right? very One excited. Year? One more. So here's year, my and concern. Let me tell you, my be back.
0: Whoever wrote the story that I read about that. Said that they could use those yellow jerseys that they wore that one year as their throwbacks.
3: No way. That would be there blasphemous. No You're way. About the Eagles with the blue. Yeah, the, the, ye- green, the, the yellow, the yellow and, blue. and
0: blue thing. No, if you They're can almost, wear a throwback jersey, it better be a Kelly Green jersey with the
1: Kelly Green helmet. Thank
0: you. Yeah, I don't understand why this is even an issue. All right, another. Oh, and
1: I also heard that the that the Tampa Bay is considering bringing back creamsicle at some point. I like that too. Yeah,
0: I'm totally cool with that. You can wear creamsicle and have a, a pirate ship.
1: By there. the way, the greatest line ever uttered by a coach came from a Tampa Bay coach saying, "Which was McKay in the sea? I believe it was the season they went without a win. After one of the games, one of the reporters asked." what do you think about the execution of your team today? And he said, I'm all for it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Last legal question. I'm going to go to baseball. Yeah. Astros are being sued by their season ticket holders who, and the uh, Astros response in court is that they should not be liable because they've
1: expressed their
0: sincere apologies for the sign stealing and court filings. Really?
1: So I can advise my clients that they can breach contracts and commit fraud as long as they say I'm sorry sincerely afterwards? They are being sued by multiple season ticket holders for breach of contracts, negligence, and violations. By the way, I'm just letting you know— their sincere apology <laughs> is not an affirmative defense to a case. They didn't teach you that in law school. No, that you could just say, Well,
0: we apologize. No. Uh, can we go back to the actual fact <laughs> that they didn't sincerely apologize? Yeah, I hope they're not going like to use that's Alex. The, the premise of the whole thing, whether it's a legal argument is one thing, whether they actually did it is a total another thing.
1: Uh, I'm just telling you, if I was the plaintiff, the first thing I'd show if they said sincere apology is I'd show the video of Alex Bregman. Right? Exhibit A. There was
0: nothing sincere <laughs> yeah. about any of that.
1: And then I'd go to the owner as Exhibit B, and you can just go through the line of people that are the astros that are currently there that did not, that were oh, not. how about Correa? We'll do him, too. Yeah, he was not quite yeah, as Yeah, we'll sincere. talk about the the tattoo, supposedly, that's the re- the reason that, that they didn't want to take off the jersey of Altuve. So, uh, experienced lawyer <laughs> Jeff Cohen would not go into
0: court with a client expressing their sincere S- apologies, saying they're not liable because the of their impure apologies. No. So that is not a valid defense. Uh, I might try it sometime. Is that your final word for the week? uh, Sure. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Bye-bye.